What's up, everybody? This is Sarah, your host of Talk the Hand podcast, a podcast about the 90s, everything you love about the 90s and more. Thank you so much for listening this week. You know, I just, it's October. I'm excited. This is my favorite time of year, my favorite month of the year. And I just love everything spooky. So this is this was a really fun episode to research, and I'm very excited to share it with you. This week, again, I'm by myself talking about a very spooky, nostalgic topic, one of our favorite book series of the 90s, Goosebumps. The Goosebumps that I'm going to reference in this episode actually ran from 1992 to 1997, and there were a few reissues and a few revivals, but for all intents and purposes, these are the years that I will cover because these were the big years for the original Goosebumps, 1992 to 1997. In this episode, I'll give you a little rundown of the series. I'll give you a little rundown on R.L. Stein, the author of the series. We'll go over the titles that will kickstart your monster nostalgia. And I'll even cover some of the um, goosebumps I call pulpy older sister, the beloved teen Fear Street series. So we'll talk about a few of those books as well. Um, and don't worry, I won't give any spoilers. So if any of these books strike your fancy, there is no better time than the present and spooky season to read them. And you know what? During 2020, we all need a little nostalgia, right? So read them. I'm going to do it. I, there, I've already picked out a few uh, Fear Street books I'm going to read. So so before we get into the topic, though, I just wanted to give you a few reminders. And I know I'm going to sound like a broken record, but please, please vote like your life depends on it. Vote all the way down the ballot. Vote early. Make sure that you are aware of your state's election guidelines and rules. Find out where your polling location and hours are. If you can mobilize and organize, please do it. Donate to the candidates if you are able to that need your help. We can get through this time together, everyone, but we need to vote like our lives depend on it because they do. And for so many people, like I've said before, this is a life or death election. So no matter what happens between now and November 3rd, and astrology people, <laughs> we have a Mars and a Mercury retrograde during the election. So no matter what happens, we still need to vote. Vote all the way down and make sure that you are registered. Check your registration. Like I say every week, I will put tons of resources in the show notes. And you can also go to rockthevote.org um, or there's so many other uh mobilization groups. So I encourage you to make sure you check everything and vote. Also, please make sure you're following us on social media, TTTHpod on Twitter, Talk to the Hand Pod on Instagram, and you can email me at talktothehandpod at gmail.com or visit our website at talktothehandpod.com. I used... Oh my goodness. One, two, three, like seven sources for this particular episode. I'm going to put them all in the show notes because they will actually very much trigger your nostalgia. But I think the ones that I pulled the most from would be a Guardian article, Goosebumps, 10 Things You Didn't Know About R.L. Stein, and a Pop Sugar article um, back in 2019, 13 Goosebumps books that gave all 90s kids insane nightmares. Like I said, there's a ton of other articles I used. I'm going to put them all in the show notes because they are so fun to look through. I highly encourage just clicking through because they will definitely jog your memory. Um, but those were the main ones. So without further ado, let's talk some Goosebumps, shall we? So Goosebumps was a children's horror series written by R.L. Stein and published by Scholastic. 
There are 62 books in the series. And for many years, actually starting in 1994, R.L. Stein and Scholastic was publishing one book a month, sometimes coordinating with the holidays. So for example, he published holiday, like a scary snowman one during Christmas time. They gave us an excited feeling of being just a little bit terrified, right? You remember, like it was just kind of a little bit, a little bit pushing the buttons, a little bit pushing the envelope, but not too much because after all, we were like 10 years old. Well, that's what they were. They were very targeted to fourth through sixth grade. The first book was Welcome to Dead House. It was published in July 1992, and I will talk about that one in a little bit more detail in a little bit, but that was the first one, Welcome to Dead House, July 1992. And if you remember, the covers usually had some super campy cover, like artwork, with the signature Goosebumps logo that was actually raised in on the actual cover, paper cover itself. And uh, there was the title at the bottom, and there was also usually a little catchphrase that, that went along with the story. Um, Usually it was the essence of the monster or the mystery or the scary part of the story. The last one was published in December of 1997. Like I said, I'm covering 92 to 97 because this was really the original run of Goosebumps. After that, everything was mostly just kind of reissues or just kind of expansions. But those years were really the height of the Goosebumps era. And the last, the last Goosebumps book that was ever published was published in December 1997, and it was Monster Blood 4. There are seven different book series. They were There were multiple mini-series and sequels for the notable ones. For example, like I said, there's Monster Blood that had four of them, Night of the Living Dummy, Haunted Mask, Say Cheese and Die, and Deep Trouble. Those were the ones that all had sequels. R.L. Stein actually wrote the book titles first and then came up with the plot. So it's rumored that he took about three and a half weeks to write each story. But I thought that was really cool. And that to me tells you when we go through all the titles, you can kind of get that essence of what that story is supposed to be about just on those book titles because he did come up with them first, which was so cool. I thought that was really neat. Some of R.L. Stein's characters were actually inspired by books and films. So Slappy the Dummy, who we will cover in just a little bit, was inspired by Pinocchio. The Haunted Mask was inspired by his son. One year, his son was trying to get his Halloween mask off and he was having trouble taking it off. So that kind of inspired his The Haunted Mask series, which was one of the most popular series, little sub-series of Goosebumps. But The common theme was that kids always triumphed over evil thanks to their own wit and their own imagination. And they were able to really escape the scariness because they were just young, scrappy kids because, and that that's really what I think we all connected to. We could see ourselves in the scrappiness of these kids and the grittiness of these kids. And just like we, we, and they were also normal kids. So they were living in normal suburbs or wherever you were living at the time. Like you could, there was, there was a story for you to really connect with and, They were also just, like I said, just scary enough. Um, And you could escape it with your own wit and imagination. And R.L. Stein actually read a quote when I was doing the research for this that he said, I feel happy to terrify kids because he did such a good job at it. You know, you got to hand it to him. He really, really uh, accomplished what he set out to do. He has also noted in a lot of interviews that his approach to Goosebumps was to provide readers with a, quote, literary experience similar to a roller coaster, scary, but safe. 
And that's why we really loved them. I like I've said, it's scary but safe. A very roller coaster thing. You are you're strapped in. So you got your mom and dad down the hall or whoever's raising you or whatever, your your guardians or whoever down the hall for that little bit of security, but you were just just on a wild enough ride that it could get a little bit spooky at times. They were some of the most controversial books of the 90s, actually. They were number 15 on the top 100 most frequently challenged book lists. And they were even challenged. The the Goosebumps books were actually challenged even more than Madonna's Sex and the Anarchist Cookbook. Those, I mean, I can't believe it was challenged more than those two. Like, what? (laughs) I don't understand why people challenge books like Goosebumps. Okay, just wanted to put that out there. The other ones, there's some I can get. That one, not so much. They accounted for 15% of Scholastic's annual revenue in 1996. And in 1997, that's when sales started dropping off. Um, If you think about it, that's kind of when we got a little bit more digital when, you know, we we were, that's a long time for those books to run. By the time we we kind of outgrew it and we were more online, we were more on AOL, you know, we were getting our scary stories different ways. um, And we also just grew up. You know, we got older and that little we were we were switching to different kinds of books and, you know, reading more things more like Harry Potter, if we were more interested in the occult or anything like that. So they really started to decline in 1997, um, which actually when it started to decline, it made scholastic sales decrease by 40 percent as well. When the book sales started to drop off, that's how dependent Scholastic was on Goosebumps. And it was actually a big news story when that happened because it was just so shocking. Um, You can buy reissued retro sets of five books online of the classics. Um, There were a bunch of spinoff series. There was, you know, Gold that was actually never released. Give Yourself Goosebumps, 95 to 2000. Horrorland was from 2008 to 2012. And then Most Wanted was 2012 to 2016. There have been more than 4 million copies that have been of Goosebumps books that have been sold over the years. It's one of the best-selling series of all time for selling for several years and actually the second best-selling children's book series after Harry Potter. At one point, Goosebumps was actually selling 4 million books a month. <laughs> like 4 million books a month. Can you imagine? Several are now actually out of print, but most of the series actually all but 5 were reprinted at some point in the 2000s. Some of the rare ones like Legend of the Lost Legend, Werewolf Skin, I Live in Your Basement, and Monster Blood 4 are rare ones. They're only printed in first editions, and they're actually known by superfans as the unreprinted, which to me sounds kind of like a emo band. The 22 books that were issued 10 years ago um, were part of the classic Goosebumps series, and they were there to accompany the Horrorland series. Um, So if you see reissued ones, those were the classic ones. Those are the 22 out of the 62 that, that were the most popular and jog that nostalgia the most. So one one quote of R.L. Stein's that I just absolutely loved was he when asked why he was he made these books, his response was, I believe kids as well as adults are entitled to books of no redeeming social value. Bravo. (laughs) 
So I also wanted to give you a little bit of a background on R.L. Stein. R.L. Stein is actually sometimes known as the Stephen King of children's literature. He's written hundreds and hundreds of books. Um, other than Fear Street and Goosebumps, he's written things like Nightmare Room series, Rotten School, and Mostly Ghostly. Um, he also did Space Cadets trilogy. He's done just a ton. He's even done joke books. And he's sold over, like I said, 400 million copies. In three consecutive years during the 1990s, USA Today named R.L. Stein as America's number one best-selling author. He's read, he's gotten so many awards, so many kids awards, so many adult awards. He's been in the um, Guinness Book of World Records. He's run, he's won Lifetime Achievement Awards. He really has just solidified his place in pop culture. So R.L. Stein has actually said, when I write, I always like to know the title first. He says, then I have to know the ending because when he writes it, he can figure out how to fool or surprise the reader. So he likes to make the entire outline chapter by chapter before he really starts to write. And then when he's done, his wife is his editor and proofreader. <laughs> She's a very hard editor, according to him. I think that is so cool. He actually, uh, R.L. Stein has a writing studio in his apartment. He keeps a mask, a skeleton, and a three-foot-long cockroach there to keep and create an eerie atmosphere. I love that so much. I need to do that myself. Wow. One thing that R.L. Stein has advised people that want to be a writer is if you want to be a writer, he says, read as many different kinds of writers as you can. Soak up all the styles. You can learn all kinds of ways to say things. Um, and then... He just basically says, think of it this way. When you write, you're a writer. His favorite horror novel, I was interested in what R.L. Stein's favorite horror, no horror novel is, and it's Something Wicked This Way Comes by Ray Bradbury. So, you know, I'm going to be putting that on my, on my list right now to read. Um, and then when asked if he has any, if he's scared of anything or if he's truly fearless, he says he has one phobia. He can't jump into water. He has to step into a swimming pool, can't jump or dive in. He thinks, he says his nephews think it's a riot that a scary guy like him is afraid to jump in a pool. Um, a movie came out in 2015. I'll touch on that in just a little bit, but I wanted to go through the years and kind of talk about some of the notable the notable books and the titles and kind of just kick up some nostalgia. So what do you say? Let's let's get into it. Like I said, the first one was published in July of 1992. The first Goosebumps book was called Welcome to Dead House. This one set the scene for every single one that followed. The story was about two siblings named Amanda and Josh. They were strangers in this new neighborhood. So they go exploring after their dog runs away. They end up finding the the dark secret of Dark Falls. And that's the dead house. R.L. Stein actually says he thought that this was, as the first book was a little too scary and that he was still kind of honing the formula for the ones to come. But if he were to do it over again, he probably would have toned down the scariness. But if you remember, the cover of that is just this really creepy old house with an old, like a, a bare tree in front of it. The door is a little ajar. There's some warm lights inside, which are kind of sinister looking. The colors of the book and I'll talk about the book covers in a little bit, but the colors really bright and vivid. Um, and then that little sub header was it will just kill you. So that was Welcome to Dead House. Stay Out of the Basement was another big one. Monster Blood. Monster Blood was one that had several um, sequels to that one. That one was about a bad guy that was actually a green substance that turns people into giants. So if you remember the cover of that one, that one's just the corner of the stairs with the 
green kind of goo <laughs> going down the staircase. That was a, that's a really good one. That, that subheader was, it's a monster blood drive. <laughs> so good. So campy. Am I right? So the next one uh, was say cheese and die. That's one, you know, I've asked a few people what one they remember the most out of all of the titles because they were so memorable. And say cheese and die was the one that I think most people remembered. That was to me the most popular one out of every single one, just because um, that one had Ryan Gosling. Uh, if you remember, there's a TV show, which I will also touch on. Ryan Gosling was in that episode. So that one, Say Cheese and Die was, uh, that was that was a really good one. If you remember, the cover of that one was the skeletons um, grilling on the little barbecue. And the subheader was, one picture is worth a thousand screams. That's about a boy who comes across a strange camera and those photos predict terrible futures. So these are the kinds of stories that we, you know, Little kids, they're they're scary enough. They're like a they're scary but safe, right? So, nineteen ninety three, we we get a little bit. He get he hits his stride a little bit more. Those first ones right off the gate were pretty massive successes. The ones in nineteen ninety three, he starts to kind of hone his hone his storytelling capabilities. He starts to get a little bit. He he takes his foot off the gas a little bit in terms of scariness, but still makes it very mysterious. Um, some of them are a little goofy and silly. They're not as, quite as dark and sinister as the first couple. Um, so, but there are some that still are. So, Curse of the Mummy's Tomb, Let's Get Invisible. Uh, the next one to come out in '93 was Night of the Living Dummy. Um, if you remember that one, the I will post pictures of these big ones um, on our Instagram. So make sure you're following us. I will post a slideshow of these covers that I am. I'm referencing, but um, Night of the Limi Living Dummy was about Slappy the Dummy. And Slappy the Dummy had this really vacant expression, one of the most memorable Goosebumps creations. The next one was Girl Who Cried Monster, if you remember that. That one is about protagonist Lucy that used to make up monster stories now and then, but then she catches the librarian eating flies. And as you remember from the boy who cried wolf, the girl who cried monster is pretty much the same story. <laughs> but the cover, again, is pretty great. So you'll see, you do see, they, they do start getting a little bit more um, silly and goofy. So uh, next one, Welcome to Camp Nightmare. It's a little camp of horrors. The girl, the ghost next door is the story of Hannah, who spends the summer exploring the neighborhood and trying to have normal summer kid fun. She wears, you know, a lot of that day glow green. And one day during her adventures, she meets her new neighbor, Danny, whose constant disappearances make her start to suspect that he's a ghost. And, and the truth is much worse than she thought. <laughs> that was ghost next door. That cover was was interesting, too, because, I mean, we're, we're pretty deep into 93 right now. But if you remember, the covers actually had a lot of their characters wearing Converse, Chuck Taylors. And this is one of the notable ones because it's just of the feet. It's the girl standing, um, opening the door, and then the ghost with his two feet. They're, it's like opaque and transparent standing on the welcome mat. And they're all wearing Chuck Taylors. That's a very, that was a very 90s touch. And like I said, we'll talk about the artist in just a little bit. The next one is The Haunted Mask. The protagonist was Carly Beth, who is teased so badly that when uh, she gets revenge by buying the scariest, grossest Halloween mask that she could find, and she went to put it on to scare them on Halloween night. But she soon discovers that the mask isn't a mask. It's actually something far, 
more mysterious and a little bit more sinister. That's a Hall of Famer. That one also had a series um, of sequels. And that's the cover where she's holding the scary green mask with its big fangs and scary yellow glowing eyes and its glowing green skin. And it's drooling like it's just got this bloodlust, bloodthirst. And the subheader is, if looks could kill. Another one, be careful what you wish for. And then after that, my personal favorite, piano lessons can be murder. That one, I I just absolutely, that's the one I remember. If anyone were to ask me what my favorite one was, or if I remember any of the goosebumps, it would be that one. Because if you remember, the cover of that one is this like twisted, um, airbrushy looking piano with the hands, just hands, hands playing it. Um, and it's about Dr. Sheik, a sinister piano teacher, and the protagonist, Jerry. Um, this is definitely a classic. Piano Lessons Can Murder. The Werewolf of Fever Swamp was also 93. And then we're moving on to 94. Those ones are some good ones too. This is where he starts to, um, it starts to pick up steam. So before it wasn't every month and starting in 1994, it was, they released a Goosebumps every single month because it started picking up steam. So these ones were um, a little bit, there were some that a little bit more repetitive, but they were, they also were some of the classics too. You Can't Scare Me, One Day at Horrorland, Why I'm Afraid of Bees, Monster Blood 2, Deep Trouble, which turned into a series as well. The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. That was a very popular one. Go Eat Worms, Ghost Beach, also another really popular one. And uh, Return of the Mummy, Phantom of the Auditorium, Attack of the Mutant, My Hairiest Adventure. Those all came out in 1994. And if you're listening to these titles, you can tell that R.L. Stein borrows a lot of inspiration from other dark, sinister, or gothic, or um, scary titles like Phantom of the Auditorium, The Scarecrow Walks at Midnight. You know, these these are all very um, fluffy kid versions of some of the scarier things and some of the darker things that adults used to watch and connect to the dark side as well. So that was 94. 95, we are getting into more classics. And again, once every, every month, A Night in Terror Tower, The Cuckoo Clock of Doom, Monster Blood 3. I mean... If there's not a band out there already called Monster Blood 3, I think someone needs to do it. Like, you have my permission to use that. Use that and create some kind of like, I don't know, some kind of punk, punk band and call yourselves Monster Blood 3. Or even if you did, or like a rockabilly band, that, that would be kind of cool too. The Barking Ghost, The Horror at Camp Jelly Jam, The Revenge of the Wand Gnomes, Shocker on Shock Street. Some of these, like the legend of legend, whatever, <laughs> and Shocker on Shock Street, some of them are kind of stretches. I have to wonder if R.L. Stein was just like not feeling it that day, but they're still fun. They're still cute. Haunted Mass 2 came out in 1995. Another big one, another big uh, popular one was The Headless Ghost. This one was actually... The Headless Ghost was actually a really scary one. It was kind of sad and actually probably the scariest one out of all of it, out of all of them. The story was about a boy named Andrew that haunts his former home looking for his head. And after the boy had seen a ghost of himself, the ghost tore off Andrew's head and hid it somewhere in the house. And now Andrew wanders around looking for it. <laughs> So, like I said, very dark, right? And then in the story, two young friends, Dwayne and Stephanie, are obsessed with the story and the house. But what happens when they run into the ghost? 
You'll have to read to find out. And that has a really great cover too. That one, you know, these covers, the ghosts are transparent. They kind of glisten and glimmer and there's a shiny like neon quality to them. The The lights are very warm and inviting. Um, but then the other parts of it are just kind of dark and spooky and dilapidated. There's lots of spider webs. There's lots of candles. There's lots of, like I said, that transparent ghost. Uh, the bright colors are extra bright. The saturation is bumped up to like a million. Very, very cool, cool, campy covers. Also in 95, what came out in December, The Abominable Snowman of Pasadena. I'm sure you guys remember that one. 1996, How I Got My Shrunken Head. <laughs> that was a big one. Night of the Living Dummy 3, Bad Hair Day, and that's H-A-R-E, so it's about a big bad bunny rabbit. Egg Monsters from Mars, The Beast from the East, Say Cheese and Die Again, Ghost Camp, How to Kill a Monster, Legend of the Lost Legend, Attack of the Jack-O-Lanterns. Oh, that was such a good one. That one came out in October. That one, I still remember the cover. That's, you know, the just an army of jack-o'-lanterns just coming at you. I, I, that would make a really cool tattoo. Vampire Breath, Calling All Creeps. That was 96. Like, like I said before, that was kind of the height of the series. 1996 was when it was pulling 15% of Scholastic's uh, regular revenue. And that's when um, it kind of got to its apex. It's kind of climaxes right there. 97 was Beware the Snowman came out in January, How I Learned to Fly. And that's one I'm going to include too, because that's another one with uh, Converse on the cover. A lot of them, if you look at, if they have any, you know, people on the cover, they usually are wearing Converse Chuck Taylors. And that's one of them that's very prominently features the shoes. And it's this, you know, it's about a, a kid that learns how to fly, lives in San Francisco. It's Chicken Chicken, Don't Go to Sleep, The Blob That Ate Everyone, Curse of Camp Cold Lake, My Best Friend is Invisible, Deep Trouble 2, a couple more, Haunted School, Werewolf Skin, I Live in Your Basement, and the very last one to ever be published, Monster Blood 4. So that's Goosebumps. And, you know, Goosebumps, he didn't stop there. He kept going, put out another series called Fear Street. And Fear Street, I like to call um, Goosebumps pulpy, campy older sister, because it was the second most successful series with a similar feel, but a more adult edge. So the stories were less violent and sexless than the melodrama that was portrayed on the covers. Um, but I've also heard the covers were were described as wonderfully colored pulp stew, which I absolutely love that phrasing because that's exactly what they were. Um, I'm looking right now. The My favorite Fear Street book was um, Bad Dreams. It was the picture of the two girls sitting on the bed and they're kind of like these white nighties. And if you think about it, like it's just kind of the classic monster story where it's white is that kind of innocent, virginal. But yeah, so, so they're wearing these flowy, innocent white nightgowns, and, but they have this terrified look on their, their face. They're, they're holding on to each other for dear life. That one was Bad Dreams. Another one was called Cat. Um, and that one was about a boy named Marty who accidentally kills a cat, then is stalked by a bunch of cats and not friendly ones. And that one has a really cool cover too. The Thrill Club is a group of friends who meet every week to share scary stories like the Midnight Society from Are You Afraid of the Dark, which I will also be doing an episode on very soon. I have that one lined up actually. So stay tuned for that. Um, so that one's about Talia is the group's leader. She writes the stories, but things start to get spooky when her stories come true. I'm going to put all these pictures up. Ski Weekend's another one. Uh, three friends 
with car trouble, end up returning home from a ski weekend. They end up staying in the lodge with a stranger that they met on their trip. They try to wait the stranger or they try to wait the blizzard out, but there's a dark turn when they realize they're trapped. And we all learned a valuable lesson, right? Don't talk to strangers, especially when you are trapped in a ski lodge with them. Wrong number warned us of the dangers of prank calling. Uh, that was about teenagers, Dina, Jade, and Chuck, when they made prank calls and they quickly regret it when they call the wrong house on Fear Street. And yeah, so I'm going to include all these, but those were the books. If you can kind of get, kind of get a glimpse at what these books were about and how silly and goofy they were. And it was just, it was, it was really such such a great series. It was such a great series. So I want to talk a little bit about the book covers. So the artist's name is Tim Jacobus. And Tim is, there is a rumor that he was, he once actually worked for Converse. And that's why they're on the cover so much. He actually has come out and said, that's not true. He never worked for Congre Converse, but he just really loved wearing and drawing the shoes. So that's why you see Converse on all of the covers as well. He created covers that they themselves were consistently striking. They were creepy. They were unsettling. They inherently create a sense of dread. The bold colors and the realist, they're semi-realistic. Um, so they look kind of like movie posters, but they stand out in your mind. You remember them because they are so they're so different from everything and especially those bright, bold colors. Like I said, it's like the saturation is kind of turned up. And, you know, we were the we were kids that grew up also watching lots of cartoons, not that other people don't, but or other generations don't. But it kind of it kind of really played into that aesthetic that we come to know and love of the 90s, that bright day glow green and bright, bold colors and the slime colors and the books for older kids were like the teens, uh, like the Fear Street. And there's kind of an extra edge of violence and like sexiness to it. So the older Fear Street books were a little bit pulpier. Um, but it's funny because the stories themselves weren't pul pulpy at all. Like they they really weren't, they were much milder than the, the like I said, the melodrama suggested on the covers. Um, but they did give you a sense of true thrills and chills. Like this wrong number was two girls sitting on the bed with a window, you know, it's nighttime behind them, the full moon behind them, this kind of creepy tree behind them. And they're sitting like, again, like I said, with this warm, inviting yellow light with these terrified looks on their face, holding the phones up to their ears. Those, those were just they were very pulpy. They really had a sense of true thrills and through truth chills. Uh, they are just as nostalgic and memorable. And they've actually prompted lists and articles and are often referenced in pop culture themselves by groups like BuzzFeed. I actually found an article by BuzzFeed that was, um, they, it was, it was a while ago. It was five years ago, 22 R.L. Stein book covers for horrific moments in your twenties. So like I said, published five years ago, they could probably update it for those of us that are in our thirties now, please. And thank you. If anyone wants to do that, please send it my way. I would love, love to see it. So Goosebumps actually inspired a movie and a TV show. I'm going to talk about the TV show first. The TV show had four seasons running from 1996 to 1998. It was on Fox Kids and Fox Family. The movie came out in 2015 with Jack Black. Originally, it was supposed to be um, a film in the 90s, 1998, and Tim Burton was actually supposed to direct it. But they couldn't find Tim Burton and his team couldn't find a good enough script. And they also didn't really know which book they wanted to adapt. So they just kind of halted the whole project. So it was released in October 2015 by 
by Columbia Pictures. It was a critical success, praised for its humor and the usage of the characters. It grossed $158 million against a $84 million budget. So it did really well. And there was a, a sequel to it in 2018 called Goosebumps 2 Haunted Halloween. And it was, again, released October 2018. So Goosebumps was really, truly iconic, very much an iconic part of our spooky lexicon. Goosebumps was a chain, a game changer. Really was. There were other series that stand out from the 90s, like Babysitter's Club, Little House on the Prairie, Animorphs. But there was something really comforting about the scariness of Goosebumps. It definitely was like a roller coaster. It scared you just enough, but not too much. Like I said, you were safe. Like there was a safety net to it. You, you were buckled into the roller coaster. You had mom, dad, and uncle, grandma, grandpa, guardian, whoever raised you down the, down the hall, but you also had a little bit of a thrill. Collecting them was so much fun. Um, reading them now, they're de definitely very thin stories, but they're also targeted to fourth through sixth graders. So they, they, I think they really, really gave us that first taste of the horror genre. That along with shows like Are You Afraid of the Dark really gave us our first taste of the horror genre. And it also gave us an intro into monsters. They were also, I've said pulpy a lot. They were deliciously pulpy. They made you feel edgy when you were reading them. I used to read these in bed after I was supposed to be asleep. My sister and I shared a bunk bed and I slept on the bottom. So I would actually hide my Goosebumps books and my flashlight in like the beams on the bed above me on my sister's bunk on the bottom of it. And I would hide my books there so I could read those late at night because I loved reading them late, late, late at night. That's when you read Goosebumps. Uh, my I kept them hidden so my mom couldn't see them. Sorry, mom. Although she claims now that she knew the whole time and I actually believe it because she's all knowing, like truly. <laughs> Plus, there were a lot of worse things I could be hiding, right? Oh, so, so yeah, it's a little bit shorter episode this week, but that's Goosebumps. I, I had so much fun looking at all of these different book covers, and I had fun looking, reading through all the different synopsis um, of the stories. And I actually really liked learning about R.L. Stein, too. I, I think it was interesting that he, um, he just he knew that the books had no redeeming social value. But I don't know if that's true, because think of how nostalgic it is and think of how much we all remember Goosebumps and, and all the spinoffs and reissues and everything that has that they have done since since those days. And I mean, I think it was also such a good such a good representation of Scholastic and Scholastic book fairs and the Scholastic, you know, ordering books from the little catalogs that you would send in at school and buying the books at the bookstore. And truthfully, it's just it's just a nostalgic part of our lexicon. And I think truly a really fun, spooky Halloween topic. So I will definitely be ordering a one of the groups of five. And I know which one I'm going to order. I'm going to order the uh, piano lessons can be murder. So but they are fun. You could read them quickly. It took him three weeks to write three and a half weeks to write them. It probably takes like a couple hours to read. But yeah, it's it's such a such a fun series, such a fun, nostalgic. It would be really interesting to see if they were to kind of make an adult version of it. Kind of like maybe there. it also kind of makes me think of American Horror Story, where each season has a different kind of 
a different theme, a different plot line, different characters, different supernatural. Like it kind of makes me think of that. And maybe that's why that show is so popular is because we grew up with those kinds of serial novels um, that had different plot lines, different characters, different stories. So just a thought. I don't know. Am I right? Tell me if I'm right or not. I am open to your ideas, your suggestions. And I also, I really, really want to hear from you. Which was your favorite Goosebumps or Fear Street book? Were they too scary? Were they not scary enough? Did you collect them? Would you reread them now as an adult? Let me know. I would love to hear your thoughts. You could let me know on Twitter. My handle is tttthpod on Twitter, talk to the hand pod on Instagram. You can email me, talk to the hand pod at gmail.com. Talk to the handpod.com's website. Next week, I have my lovely friend Elise will be joining me for a super, super fun topic. It's for the last week of Latinx Heritage Month. So excited for it. It's not a spooky topic, but it is a very, very fun one. So get ready for that. Please remember to vote. Like I said, I will put all of those links in the show notes. Make sure you are registered. Check everything. Check your polling location. Check your hours. And please, please, please remember, be excellent to each other. Thank you, and I will see you all next week.